You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications, and we are joined this week by John Helley. John is a third-generation sheep and wool pro- uh, producer from Dillon, Montana, as well as with Dave Elison, who is a fourth-generation rancher from Tremonton, Utah, and also the president of the Public Lands Council. We're coming to you this week from the Rayburn House office building up on Capitol Hill, where, and I'm going to take a deep breath before I get through this entire description, the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Government Reforms Subcommittee on Interior Energy and the Environment just held a hearing on uh, uh, preserving opportunities for grazing on public land. So, John and Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Um, John, I want to ask you the first question. You told the subcommittee about um, that many environmental laws are being, quote-unquote, weaponized. And you told them about your personal experience with federal litigation that has been filed by some radical environmental groups. It has to do with the bighorn bighorn sheep. Um, Can you share your experience with our listeners? Well, I... I don't know if it's exactly with the bighorn sheep. They, they sued the Forest Service with an agenda to, to remove us from federal lands. They, they're anti-grazing um, radicals. So when, when that came up, they, they went to court, and the, the standing that they got to go to court is that our sheep smell bad, they're an eyesore, they're afraid of our guard dogs, and they can't use the forest while we're up there. So that, that mind you, gives you gives them the standing to take this issue to court. And then they come into court with just like a, a spaghetti full of, or a bowl full of spaghetti and throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. So one of the issues that stuck in the judge's mind was this memorandum of understanding that we entered into to allow a, a, a reintroduction of bighorn sheep into the gravelly range well south or well north of where our sheep are. So we put together a program where um, signed an MOU. Um, separation was their key management objectives. We kept those those uh, objectives and agreed to our end of the agreement. And we do. We have bighorn sheep and domestic sheep on that allotment. We're in that national forest. And how long has this been going on? And, and you must have racked up a lot of legal fees over the course of these years. Oh, it's incredible how much uh, time is it takes and, and the open-endedness of these lawsuits. I, there's just no end in sight. I mean, every time they turn around, they file another injunction. They have us in court. You know, I've, I've had to hire an attorney. Um, the industry has come in and hired attorneys. And then when they win one little small piece of this case, they got paid over $100,000 of their attorney fees through EJA that, that just keeps keeps them going. I mean, what it, there's no incentive for them to stop. Yeah, exactly. And there's there are the real lawsuits, and then there's obviously the threat of lawsuits, and the word intimidation was used in the hearing as well. Now, Dave, in your, testi- in your testimony, you talked about the Martin Fire in Nevada, um, which I guess has burned hundreds of thousands of acres, um, most half of million. half a million half acres, million. Um, many of which um, were habitat, prime habitat for the sage grouse. Of course, the environment, uh, uh, the Endangered Species Act and, and other environmental laws are designed to protect that habitat. What how is this connected? How, why did that fire get so out of control, and how is that affected by laws like the Endangered Species Act? Well, like I said, there, there's about a half a million acres burned in this fire that just recently took place in Northern Nevada. That, most of that country was prime habitat uh, country for the sage grouse, and because of that, it was really protected by from grazing, even though the science says, hey, their grazing is compatible. But, but because it was 
was so protected that it hadn't been grazed for two, two years. And they estimated there was a, a two ton per acre of fuel, fuel in, in that uh, country. And so, boy, when the fire started, there was plenty of fuel, so it just kept it going and couldn't get stopped. This could have been avoided if they would allow that to been been grazed so that cut the, the amount of fuel for that fire. So what can Congress do? What can they do to modernize laws like the Endangered Species Act and help bring that into the 21st century and, and put some of these lessons that we're learning, sadly, um, you know, into perspective? Well, <clears throat> two things. Of course, they need to modernize the Endangered Species Act. That, that, as John said, it's just a tool that the environmentalists use and the, the, the agencies a lot of times are just scared to death of them. Also, the, the, what needs to be changed is the, the NEPA, the project. Being able to make changes on your grazing and different places, it's just hamstringing the, the rancher. And so the, modernizing both the NEPA and the environmental, the ESA needs to be done. And hopefully with Senator Barroso's bill, that will be done. Right, and obviously uh, NCBA and PLC just kicked off a, a campaign, a media campaign in support of the Barrasso bill and, and uh, modernizing ESA. So hopefully when we get back from the August recess, um, Congress will be able to hit the ground running on that. Um, John, just one final question. You are a long way from Dillon, Montana. This, is your, this was your first time testifying before Congress. Um, tell us about your experience. What is it like to come uh, you know, from your operation um, to the halls of Congress and make your voice heard? And how can folks join a group or, or get involved in a group like or groups like NCBA, PLC, the American Sheep Industry Association, um, and make their voices heard? Well, I, I was a little bit nervous about coming here. Um, I, you know, I can, I can talk about our issue, but to convey the right type of facts and get it all in, in organized fashion and know how to, you know, appear before the subcommittee on a, you know, for Congress, the the amount of help that PLC and the American Sheep Industry, um, we were in the D.C. NCBA office, and we we worked diligently to provide the best testimony we could, and the help from those organizations, and and getting us into uh, you know the buildings and and knowing where to go and how how to uh, you know get our thoughts together and make an effective testimony was was you know couldn't have done it without both. PLC, NCBA, and the American Sheep Industry Association. Well, you did a great job. Um, I know the committee really appreciates your expertise and your testimony and your willingness to tell your story, um, as, as we do, and I know all of our listeners do. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast, both of you guys, John and Dave. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at beefusa.org, and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.